Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym. And what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. This is someone that I believe I've had on twice before, I think, question mark. Um, but it's been a while, so I'm so excited to welcome them back, back, back again to the pod. Please welcome to the mic, everybody, MB. Hey, MB. Hello. It's- How's it going? It's great. It's uh, it's it's pouring rain in New York City right now. There's a flood warning. So oh, no. I'm, just, uh, I'm cozy and safe inside on a podcast where I should be. Are you on high ground? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I'm high enough. <laughs> Good. Yeah, the weather has been weird. I have like, um, you know, a, a last, I guess it's not even technically summer anymore, but like a last summer trip to Toronto Island on Sunday. Um, Ooh. Are you going to go to the to the nude beach? Is that part of the plan? Yeah, we're going to go to Hanlon's. I like have somebody that wants me to kind of be their tour guide. They've never mm. been. So, uh, and I'm looking at the weather and I'm like, what's going to, I don't know. I just, it says it's going to be nice, but I kind of don't believe it. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I went for the first time fairly recently. Uh, I had a great time. It's so nice over there. Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. I, I uh, Kate was, I feel like, um, my partner, uh, Kate Sloan, the uh, author, sex blogger, musician, um, she, she lives in all. Toronto. She does it all. She really does. Um, Bicon. Uh, she, um, she hadn't been in a while and she was sort of nervous about it. You have to take a ferry and like there's, there's uh, sort of some social mores and things to, to be aware of. And I was like, we should go. We should like kind of like conquer that fear and, and, and uh, get you back over there. And we both had a great time. We spent uh, a good part of an afternoon there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You got to rally because it's a bit of a trek. There's some things it to yeah. organize. <laughs> yeah, some mm-hmm. things to be aware mm-hmm. of. But other than that, it's lovely. Yeah. So I was telling you um, pre-recording uh, that that you're, you used the word rife. Your Twitter, you know, bio, uh, it's rife with stuff to talk about. So I was like, could I just read that? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay. So they, them, non-binary, bisexual, switchy, 30-something. Okay. Kate's daddy dom and chastity sub content note porn hypnosis ds age play yeah i'm trying to pack a lot in there because for 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 a while i was trying to put content notes on every single individual post and it was sort of like getting kind of repetitious and at a certain point like this is my porn twitter account right it's at super sleepy nb enby uh feel free to follow it unless you're a family or a coworker of mine um but uh at a certain point, it just felt like repetitive. I just wanted to get out of the way in my bio. Like, here's my deal. If you're not into these things, probably probably not the account to follow. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. And we've had you on a couple, two times, right? Am I wrong or am I right? Uh, it, it's once or twice. I don't know. Okay. Same. Um, it all, honestly, <laughs> once you get over 400 episodes, I don't know exactly. what is going I've on I've been anymore. on too many podcasts. <laughs> But so I feel like the majority of what we have talked about in the past when we had you on was hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And yeah. is hope, hypnosis still a part of, of what you do? Or like, have you moved on to other things or just added other things? Tell me about it. No, it's it's a huge part of, of what I do, both as a top and a bottom. Um, and it's, it's um, one of the kinks that has been with me for the longest in my life. It's sort of a core... Uh, part of my sexual identity verging on being like a true fetish like it kind it, it shows up in my fantasy so often um and is a, a big part of of my sex life so uh huge huge part of it wow okay it's a part of your it's so core to your kinks it's like a part of your kinky identity what what part of it is like feels like such kind of a core belief to you um I forget who I picked this up from, someone in the New York hypnosis scene, a friend of mine, um, but it's it's sort of, 
it sort of feels to me like hypnosis is sex to me. Like they're they're the same yeah. thing. They're synonymous. And it, it that is not the case for everything that I do. Like occasionally impact will feel like sex to me, but it doesn't always feel like sex. Hypnosis feels like sex. Like if I if I see it, if I catch it in a um in a TV show, like there's a hypnosis scene that's completely non-sexual, to me it's it's it's, it's I have the same sort of jump scare reaction as if there was suddenly a sex scene in that show. <laughs> right? So that that's yeah. sort of how I recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. I um this is so not the same thing, but something that surprised <laughs> me recently about myself. I was scrolling and somebody um was like sinus fucking and I was like, "Whoa, that just reading that <laughs> phrase did something <laughs> oh, to me." A, uh, yeah, As an I allergy was... kid, that's not that's not my that's not my <laughs> that's not my kink. I'm the same thing. I actually hate having my nose touched. Um, so that was a, a very interesting response. I was like, okay, I guess that's something <laughs> worth exploring. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, okay, so that's funny. So it'll like come up um, on yeah something totally unrelated and hit you as if you're watching like, as, as if somebody flipped the channel and porn came on. Absolutely. Or I could do a scene that is purely hypnosis and there's no, you know, sexual touch or sexual element. And it will feel to me as though I had uh, sex with that person that I was doing that hypnosis with. So I'm careful about like who I do it with and in what context. Um, yeah. Uh, because it's a very intimate thing for me. Yeah. I mean, like me knowing you know, literally next to nothing about this, like you are literally penetrating someone. Right. You're like penetrating mm -hmm. the mind kind of. Yeah. So for me, exactly. even just with yeah. that metaphor, it kind of makes sense. That's exactly how it feels to me. Right. Like being it, it feels like a, a type of intimacy communicating with someone on like a really deep, uh, perhaps subconscious level. Um, it, it feels uh, extremely intimate um, and, and sexual for for fetishists, at least at yeah. least the ones that I've talked to. Yeah. OK. Awesome. So. This is something that's still very much a part of your sex life, your life. Um, what are there new things? Are there new things that have kind of come up that are um, that that are contenders? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I still do a lot of lifestyle DS. Uh, I think which we talked about a bit, and you've had Kate uh, to talk about our dynamic as well. Yeah. Um, still do a lot of age play, a lot of um, uh, things in those zones, but more and more um, have been playing with uh, chastity over the past few years as a, as a bottom and have learned a lot about myself through that experience uh, and, and gotten really deep into both the gear, the subculture, um, some of the related kinks that come up uh, often in that community, things like um, cuckolding and humiliation and uh, all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm so interested to talk about on this topic um, from somebody who bottoms chastity stuff mm. um i feel like yeah i really haven't had i haven't had people speak about it uh, from their like firsthand experience so like with anything you know one of the first questions i always ask like specifically if i'm you know meeting someone for the first time doing a pro session with them they're like okay these are the activities i'd like to do or these are the kinks i'd like to play with first question i'm gonna ask is like what do you find interesting about it because there's a lot interesting about it but that can be a very deeply personal thing so what do you find interesting about chastity yeah if i look back through my history and when i started thinking about it um i think control is a big theme that runs through a lot of my kinks um hypnosis ds etc and chastity is uh, a form of sometimes self-control or sometimes control of the other about this really intimate personal part of their life. Like whether, whether you're allowed to touch your genitals, whether you're allowed to have orgasms, this is like something that we generally see as definitely just the domain of the individual. Um, and you're giving that control up either to the calendar or to a dominant or, um, or kind of to another version of yourself. You're saying like, I am not going to do this for this amount of time, or I'm going to let this person um, force me not to do this for this amount of time. Uh, and so that's how it relates for me. And like the the actual devices and stuff um, were some were later. Like when I, I remember seeing 
the uh, CB6000, which was the first cage that I ended up trying online and being like, ooh, that would be interesting. I don't know how that would feel like on my body. I don't know um, if that would be comfortable. Like, what would it be like to sleep? All the questions that come up, like before you've tried a chastity device, if, if you have a penis anyway, I don't know that much about uh, chastity devices for vulvas. I, I follow them with, uh, with admiration, but I've, I've never uh, like played with one in real life. Um, so that was something that I had brought up to Kate uh, earlier in our relationship is like something like down the road, like I want to play with this. And um, over years of like talking about it, uh, we got comfortable with the idea of like me buying a cage and like trying it out as a, as a, uh, a scene, as a test, as like just for a day or two. And then it's grown and grown from there. I love that you did a little practice first. Yeah, that's important. Yes, yes. Do not do not go into... It's about to be Locktober. Do not go into Locktober <laughs> thinking, I've never done chastity before. I'm not going to come for a month. I You will have a bad time. No, that's probably the worst. Yeah, the worst. I mean, I mean, Kate, both Kate and I both uh, have worked at sex shops in the past. And, mm -hmm. oh, do you get that phone call of people? Mm -hmm. you, <laughs> September you get, 29th, September 30th. You get that phone call from people um that you know that they they really need to get a cage asap um but you get that call that they're stuck in the cage um oh even and they worse. don't have and they don't have the key and they're like what do i do and it's like first of all breathe <laughs> calm down <laughs> breathe <laughs> where is the key who has the key <laughs> can you get a hold of this person <laughs> like <laughs> just in Not a panic right <laughs> <laughs> yes, not to ruin the not to ruin the fantasy for folks, but if if you have a, if you're in that situation right now and you have a chastity cage that has one of the right now if you have a chastity cage that has one of the barrel style locks that are usually used to like lock drawers and furniture, yeah, all the keys are the same. It's it's yeah. fine. Just go get another key. They're all, it's not they're not the most secure things in the world. Yeah. Now, if you have a padlock, it, it's a different situation, but also it's a little bit easier to clip off a padlock with uh, with pliers or something. Yeah, exactly. There are ways. There are ways, right? Yes. Um, and another thing, just, yeah, technical about the gear, I guess. Like, I mean, since working in a sex shop, I've had very, very much many uh, experiences <laughs> with, with chastity because of my work. But at that time, I'm just like, memories are flooding. I've had people, you know, they're looking around and they're trying to choose one you know, and they're asking the sales rep, like, which one's going to fit me? And it's like, mm, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> I don't know your dick. I, I don't know your dick, friend. Beautifully human. I've never seen your dick. <laughs> yeah, this this is actually a fascinating thing I saw um, last week at uh, Folsom Street Fair. I think it was last week or the week before mm -hmm. um, the kink 3D folks who are probably one of the most popular chastity cages currently on the market. It's a 3D printed nylon cage. Um, at Folsom, they were actually measuring people for their perfect fit. So they, you know, it's it's like a queer-owned company. They're very comfortable, like, looking at people's bodies and, and recommending fits. And even, like, you can have a conversation with them over email and get consent first, of course. But they'll, like, look at photos of cages that you've tried or, you know, potentially, like, photos of your body and help you um, help you get the right fit. And I think that that is something that is, that is pretty new uh, to the scene is, like, having that level of service in something yes. that is still fairly affordable. That's like kind of necessary because again, yeah, going yeah. back to the sex shop days, I've had somebody like purchase it, go to their car, try to get it on, come oh back, God. plop it down on the counter, wanting a refund. And it's like Chester cages, most of them are not cheap. <laughs> so it's no, kind of like, no, well, not. well, man, that's touched your genitals. So can't really take it back. <laughs> not but no. Like, how did you, what was your, like, learning curve on finding the perfect fit? Like, did you have that thing where you tried one, wasn't quite right, you know, had to buy another one or whatever? Yeah, I've uh, I've gone through a number of cages, not necessarily because uh, they weren't the right fit, but just because as I get, I'm a nerd uh, in, my, in my work, in my life, in my kink. And so as I get more and more into something, I like to upgrade the ways that I'm doing it, the skills, the techniques, the gear, all of it, as I get more serious about it. And so um, I started with the CB6000, which is a plastic cage. It has a number of problems. Um, I wouldn't recommend it as even a beginner cage at this point. It's just sort of, it's so well known, it's 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 sold everywhere. And if it's, if it's the best you can do, that's fine. But it's, um, 
it has a lot of problems with splitting, with chafing, with uh, it just being very fiddly to put on. Um, so that's where I started because it was what I knew. But then I started doing more and more research and I stumbled across um, a blog by uh, called Denying Thumper. Uh, Thumper has um, uh, been in the chastity uh, community for a very long time. He's reviewed pretty much every cage on the market. He's got multiple custom cages uh, and has written about the, the emotional side of things as well. And so I read all through all of his reviews, put together a list of like, okay, here's, here's where I want to go next. Here's what I want to try next and worked my way through a, a bunch of different cages over the years. So I went from the CB 6,000, which I wasn't very happy with to the Holy trainer, which at the time was, um, probably the, the thing that chastity folks would tell you, if you're, if you're not happy with the CB 6,000, you'll be happy with the, the Holy trainer. And it's great. It's, uh, it's made out of a uh, bio resin, um, they, they, they improve the design every few years. I think they're up to the, the V5 of the design, which has like an integrated unlock or like lock button, um, and a special key design. It's beautiful. I wore that for quite a while. And then the King 3, 3D folks were, um, generous enough to send me, uh, one of their cages for review, loved and used that. But all the while I was lusting over a cage, um, by... <laughs> I was lusting over a fully stainless steel, um, custom made, custom fit cage by a German company called Steelworks. Now, wildly enough, there are two companies named Steelworks in the custom chastity game. There's one in Canada and one in Germany with slightly different spellings. Uh, this is the German one. Um, and so as part of my chastity protocol with Kate, who's my key holder, um, she, she knew that I was angling to get this, uh, expensive, fancy cage and designed a whole set of tasks that I would need to complete in order to earn the ability to order it. Okay. See, I was wondering, because you mentioned like, you know, you could be doing chastity, like in your, uh, you know, uh, under control of like the calendar you mentioned. So like that could mm -hmm. be solo play, just doing it like that in my brain. Right. And Absolutely then, could. So, yeah. And then this whole process of like finding the right cage and upgrading and the gear part of it, that to me, I'm like, that could be so, you know, part of the whole solo play thing as well. So yeah, the question I was going to ask is like, so if you did have a partner, you know, at this time, you know, if Kate wasn't, would Kate be involved in this process? Would that amplify this for you? And like, how can you play with that? So I love to hear that, like, okay, so she gave you uh, some tasks before you could like earn the next the upgrade <laughs> exactly yeah usually awesome. when when it's a when it's a bigger thing like that it'll be like here's five categories of tasks you need to complete three in each category you know i don't really really care how long it takes you um and i need to like sign off on each of these so like maybe it's like um you need to do two like three findom tasks you need to like do three writing tasks which might be like writing erotic poetry or writing a review for my blog or you know things like that yeah. and when and when you get to the end of that then you feel like you really have earned uh the ability to order this kind of it, it's like a very expensive toy you know I, I would i would have felt kind of silly just like ordering it without that uh without that container Right. <laughs> like, like, it's too much, meaning like, it's yeah, spending too like much. It's, a, it's, it's too, too it's self indulgent. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's a, uh, hedonistic. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> oh, does this feel does it feel like commitment jewelry to you? Does it feel like, you know, because you're talking about, you know, um, earning it, right? So like, a lot of times right. we talk about that with like earning a collar, stuff like that in kink dynamics. So I'm wondering if this was like another type of commitment jewelry, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Um, it feel that way to me. Like it feels very connected to the particular dynamic that it's in. And it, it definitely make, you know, we, we play with it in that way. Like it's not, we don't call it a collar or, or, or yeah. um, similar, but it, it functions essentially the same way. Yeah, because you can also like, you know, you can, 
for me in my pro sessions, you know, we've got a bunch of cages. So if they, someone wants to play with chastity, most of the time they don't show up wearing one. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of fit them with the ones we have, try to figure out the best fit and they wear it for, you know, the two hours I have them for or whatever. So, sure. and I'd, I'll do the same thing with a collar. You know, you, you just have like a play collar, like it's, it's just a play collar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a play cage, you know, just, it's not, um, our cage or whatever. Um, but that's just kind of interesting that you can, you know, you can use cages and really any other types of adornments in that way it's either like it's representative of you know our ds dynamic it's or in our commitment or um it can be you know no intention at all it's just like something we play with for an hour um or something i do where i actually do kind of put intention into a collar or whatever um at the beginning of a pro scene um like for the next two hours this is what you know wearing this means you know yeah, you can absolutely collar someone for two hours and have it have it still be meaningful and emotional and impactful. Like it doesn't, a play collar doesn't have to be less uh, important or serious just because it's for a time limited uh, thing or because multiple people may wear it over the course of weeks or months. Yes, thank you for that. Just like you know, casual sex is not any less you know meaningful or emotional or. or whatever satisfying than unless like, you want it to be uh, yeah unless you want it to be just disrespectful sex which is right. um but you're giving me this idea of like you know maybe if I, maybe i can be doing that same sort of like little ritual that i do with a collar maybe i could be doing it when i'm doing the chastity cage thing i'm a bit inspired i think so i think you should yeah i i love watching porn of of um chastity creators who like this is their main thing and and finding like the little things they do when they actually lock or unlock the cage like the things that they say the way that they like play with like the the key itself maybe it's on a necklace maybe it's on a uh, an anklet or a bracelet but i think that symbolism is really really um a super hot part of the kink for me yeah. Okay. Me too. Cause like for me, yeah, I like to go a bit deeper. I like to engage more than just, you know, the physical, even though once again, the physical is fabulous just to stay there too. But for me, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about the intentionality of what we're doing a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what's um, most interesting to me with most kinks. Um, so, okay. I feel like we should say, um, with chastity i mean this is so well timed is it not like <laughs> it is, is yeah. literally it really like is. we did not really plan is. this actually but um <laughs> i should have <laughs> i should have i'm just not that organized but um th- that thing that you said of like nobody listening please don't jump into a full month like don't October no. it up unless you've you know done little little bits so please do a day and then a week and then two weeks and then a month yeah and like so what is your experience with that both of like where you want to live because like I mm. I find it really important to say also that the goal isn't doing you know the most extreme version of any kink the goal is what you you know pleasure or pain or like what you're where you're comfortable, like where you want to be finding where you live with this kink. Like the goal doesn't have to be you're permanently, you know, in a cage or whatever. Yeah. I follow a lot of people who are, I follow, I follow a lot of people who are in permanent chastity or as close to it as you possibly can be like Thumper, who I mentioned before, um, is at a point now where he is in a device, uh, 99.5% or higher of the year, every year. Um, and that is the goal for a lot of people. That's not the goal for me. I'm such a switch that uh, I I want to have a balance of of energy in my life, like where I feel more um, dominant and toppy, and where I feel more like submissive. And the the container that I use for submissiveness in my relationship with Kate is usually chastity. Um, so so for me, like again, being a nerd, like I track this stuff in a big spreadsheet. Uh, every time that I've been locked up, what device it was, what the lock date was, what the unlock date was, and it all charts out. So if I look back over the time that I've been playing with chastity, which started in, um, 2020, August of 2020, uh, a lockdown, uh, interesting. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Uh, that could also have something to do with the rise of chastity. Uh, I think, uh, just like all of us thinking about being restricted, uh, being locked inside. I, th- I think it kind of lines up with the trend. 
what purpose does the spreadsheeting and the and monitoring is that like part of it for you like is that part of what's interesting like to see I don't know trends or uh, maybe there's some sort of you know internal competition of like you know seeing how long you did that time like does that serve as part of it for you when you're looking back at the spreadsheet um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, I think it's it's good. I I also do this with with other stuff in my life. I've been I've been um, I do I do I wear an aura ring which tracks my sleep. I use Notion to catalog all of my sex toys, all all the manuals that go with them. So it's just part of my personality to uh, to track things. And it I think it does sometimes give me insight about like oh you know I have been wearing this cage a lot lately. Like maybe I want to switch to this other one or oh like the average length of my lockups has been shorter since this thing happened. Like maybe that's worth the conversation, stuff like that. Okay. So it's just kind of inspiring self-awareness and Mm -hmm. um, like checking in with yourself. I haven't done like, you know, quote unquote, like wellness domination in a long time. But at one point I had somebody who I did this ongoing play with and they were a total chart slut. Like they, and still are, but we're just not, in a dynamic but like they wanted mm-hmm. to chart everything and they just love looking at it and they love seeing you know the charts of when they were you know doing really well and stuff like that and yeah there was that thing of like taking the information that you see in the chart and then interpreting it and be like oh what are the factors you know that came into play here and what does this mean for me going forward and like what is manageable for me and um again with like the intentionality and it it's just do doing this that intentionally right where you're like you really want to see how this is affecting you affecting your life and like i don't know there's something really awesome about that for me doing this stuff so intentionally yeah, yeah. how do you feel when you look at those numbers like just saying those numbers to me right now does that inspire anything i think it so looking back at the spreadsheet, um, it, it, since I've been doing this in 2020, I've been locked uh, the third, 26, 27% of the time and unlocked the, the remaining uh, three quarters. Yeah, I think it, it matches up with um, how it feels subjectively. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of ups and downs of like, like a two-day lockup and then a 10-day lockup and then, you know, stuff like that. And lately, it's been more uh, consistent amounts of time so like seven to ten days pretty much every time and that feels like a really good sweet spot at the moment for me of like giving me the emotional and um physical feelings that i'm looking for from it yeah okay Th- this this that's that was definitely the question that i was asking yeah i like i like to hear where you settled um i do know just because i know you and kate that sometimes you're in an ldr right so is chastity a way for you? Can that be a way to connect like when you're not physically in the same space? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Kate and I, a lot of our sex life happens uh, over the phone um, or even through text or uh, um, protocol that we're, that we're working through with each other throughout the day as we're both as I'm in New York and she's in um Toronto. She's actually in the process of immigrating here. Uh we I have our know that. immigration so interview. Yeah, we have our immigration interview on November fifth. Wow. So that's we so that's soon. that's been a long process. But yeah, it's it's coming up. We're on step eleven of twelve of the the immigration journey. Oh my God. Um wow. Uh, but chastity is a really chastity like hypnosis, really great kink to play with remotely because someone can say like, look, lock up your genitals and then um, you'll you'll have that physical reminder that you're not allowed to, to do anything, but yet are still connected to them throughout the day, no matter whether they're near or far. The Bedpost podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. 
Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com, but one of my favorite things to do is to go to their Instagram events page and see what they've got going on. Threesome Fridays, sexy plus size play party, buy pleasure party, ooh, a night with the prompt shiniest outfit, and fetish fantasy hosted by Empress. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. This is something, I'm, I'm writing a class on this, so I've got a lot of thoughts, but like, I'm doing a follow-up to my Domination for Switches class. And that class talked a lot about like, um, bringing traditionally submissive qualities into your dominance, stuff like vulnerability and mm. stuff like this. But like... Mm-hmm. Well, my first question is just going to be like, are you ever wearing a cage when you're being dominant, when when you're in your dominant yeah, headspace? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because a lot of the dominance that I do is lifestyle and productivity dominance. Those protocols, so for instance, me being able to see Kate's to-do list and encouraging her on those types of things, those protocols don't stop just because I'm uh, in a chastity cage. And a lot of the time, when even when I am submissive in like, sexual situations when I'm locked, um, I'm doing that, that submission in a very toppy way. Um, so, uh, I'm fucking her with a, uh, strap on that's over the cage or I'm, you know, yes, doing, uh, doing oral service, but you know, in a very toppy way, or I'm doing like st- impact even like trance and anything, um, uh, can be some balance of, dominant submissive toppy bottomy like it, it's 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 a huge spectrum and we play yeah. in all of those different uh, versions of it ah uh, yes <laughs> that was the answer <laughs> that was the answer yeah that's good that's so rich like yeah wow. yeah it's you you don't have to limit yourself to oh okay because i'm in a chastity cage then i have to act this way that i've seen in porn like you can you can negotiate those things with your with your partner and figure out um, what blend is right for a given particular scene or day or dynamic. And God bless the both of you that you're all of this stuff. You're used to feel very attuned to each other. Like just the richness of, of it. Is well, like... we talk, we talk about it all the time and we're both such nerds about it. Like it's, it's somewhat wild that we found each <laughs> that we found each other because we're both like have been nerds about this since we were teenagers, literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, it's amazing to be able to build relationships with people who, um, who care about like the, the nerdy aspects of sex as much as you do. I also have a, um, a newer partner, uh, in, in Brooklyn and I, I feel like they have the same, like, lust for like building these types of scenes that are really intentional um and they're also non-binary so we get to we get to explore um kink and sexuality from the perspective of like two non-binary people having sex which is like a fairly new experience for me as well it's like i don't know it's just it's great to be um polyamorous and kinky and nerdy and uh with people who are who are all those things and and able to explore i don't know I'm, I'm, i'm being sappy but uh, I mean, <laughs> humble brag a bit. Um, please do. <laughs> like, yeah. A part of what I love about um, about the kink community in Toronto and, and the partners that I've been blessed to, like, be playing with, even, like, you know, I don't even, I don't want to say even, like, like, clients suck. Clients are great. Um, but, like, I also feel that with clients in professional scenarios where I'm just like feeling so grateful that I get to have this richness, you know, of kink in Mm. my life. Mm -hmm. And like, I also, you know, a ritual chamber, I do very much one shade of like domination. Um, One shade of gray. I do one shade of gray. (laughs) (laughs) The other 49 is safer. Other avenues. But, um, you know, it's still very personal and unique to me and, and whatever. But like, yeah, I feel like you own. I feel like you own the playful, playful dominance, improv dominance uh, in Toronto. I think. I think. I think you've locked up that market. <laughs> I just might have, um, but 
Yeah, it's like, it's really cool that like, I, I do other professional work that's not like the bulk of my income, but like, where I get to play, um, you know, an abotomy space or a submissive space. And yeah, and then even more so in my personal life, I can kind of play with all those nuances. But like, yeah, I, I just, um, I love that we're having this conversation, because I feel like a lot of folks that um, even folks that have been doing it for years, are still that our switches perhaps are still kind of um fracturing it which is fine you know if you want to be pure sub in one scene and then save you know other kind of um other mindsets for other days or whatever but like it's so very interesting to hear about folks that like are doing it all cohesively and doing it all at once. Like I, I had a client recently where he was talking about like the parts of his identity and how, you know, it feels fractured for him and his like kind of kink goals are to like be able to be whole. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that really impactful. And pardon me, this is, that was, this is kind of a new thing that has come to me. So I'm like very much talking through it right now, but what you do feels like you're bringing your whole person to it and that's really awesome and admirable yeah thank you thanks for saying that that's that's definitely how it feels to me um and it does feel really i don't know it feels really integrated in a way that um yeah that i want to keep pushing on and like finding new avenues for i think part of it is inspired by um kate's uh trauma therapy process, which, which included a methodology called um, internal family systems. Uh, I read the book, uh, No Bad Parts, um, by Dick Schwartz, who invented this uh, ther- therapy methodology. And I definitely took a lot away from that, but also just like seeing Kate go through it and integrate those different parts of herself um, has definitely given me a lot of ideas for scenes uh, and, and ways of playing. And, and I think they have been like deeper and more true to who I am than um, scenes even like three, four years ago. Yeah. It's amazing the like learning curve, eh? Like every day is a school day, but like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's something I like to say. But like, you know, you can suddenly like, you know, decades into your journey have, you know, suddenly just open up and realize how little you know. Like it's funny with learning, right? Usually that that hits you kind of early in your learning journey of like, whoa, you suddenly realize how little you know. First of all, you think you know everything and then you realize how little you know. But like that can keep happening, you know, where suddenly something opens up and you're like, oh my fucking God. Yeah, if you just remain open to it and you remain like curious and experimental, I think there's a lot, you know, through our, through our lives to be discovered with, um, with, within the container of sex and kink. Uh, It's a huge, huge world. There are, things that have been on my list that I've that I've never tried but I I feel like I still have so much time to to get into those things and learn those skills and um I'm excited to do that. What's on the list? Got to ask, you brought it up. Oh god, what's on the <laughs> list? Um let me let me pull up. So Kate and I have this uh this sex technology called the sex menu. Do you know about this? I've heard of this. Okay. Um it is a shared Apple note that has um, a few different sections, basically uh, some stuff at the top about like, how's your body doing? How's your brain doing today? Uh, A vibe for what the kind of scene we're trying to do. And then a whole host of checkboxes of like, um, here's things that Kate wants to receive. Here's things that I want to receive. And sometimes one of us will fill out the whole thing. Sometimes we'll split it up um, and then use that to build a scene from. Um, So I'm just looking down the list of like all the stuff that I've, that I've put in here um, of uh, things that I haven't done yet. Oh, one of the ones um, that I haven't really played with yet, but that I over the last year have like kind of realized that I have an interest in is the, so I've done water sports in, in both directions, but I haven't done much of the like bathroom control, like uh, Omarashi type stuff. And I want to do, I want to play with that more. I think that that's another area where like my deep need for control or feeling like potential like lack of control is like ties into the kink and would make it hotter. Yes. Yeah. If control is one of your like core kinks, then yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Yeah. And like cuckolding is another one that Kate and I have, have started getting into. Um, she did a, she did a, a porn shoot with someone while I was in chastity and like, we did some like cuckolding stuff around that. And she's like gone on a few dates while I've been in chastity or locked me up and then gone on a date, things like that. Yeah. But we haven't done it in person, you know, when I'm like in the same place. Yeah, you haven't been room. in a hotel and sat in the cuck chair. Right. The, the cuck chair. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You got it. Um, also like latex. Like I, I'm Ooh. curious about latex. Wearing or. Yeah. I think wearing, um, wearing like, full full body like latex it kind of ties into like my milking kink um so that stuff i have been playing with um like pet play puppy play a bit more uh that's something that i want to get deeper into oh this is broad these things you're listing there's there's a lot it's a it's it's a lot um (laughs) there's there's a new kink there's a new kink uh, well a new name for a kink anyway called uh ghost penis that i did a scene with recently you know about this no Tell. This is okay. Often in chastity, but not always, um, you will attach a strap on or a, like even just set a dildo about where your dick would be, and the person will stroke uh, the the top will stroke that um, dildo rather than yours, and you can come from just the sort of proprioception of thinking that that's your dick. Oh uh, man! Really, so this really is great. that thing of the arm, and then somebody put a sheet, exactly, and then the yes, fake arm, exactly. and then they. Oh man! Yeah, so people are making porn of this now, and, and we were like, I think we can, I think we could easily do this. Kate oh, if you put hypno like in there, happen. done, easy yeah, for exactly. you two, yeah. man. Easy. Yeah, th- I think that's kind of um, anybody that does strap on play, um, that tops strap on play. I think when we saw that kind of viral video of like the hand and the sheet and the fake hand, I think we all were like, yeah, that happens when you're wearing a strap on. Like it's your dick. Yeah, like exactly. your yeah, that your brain, you know, your brain is trained, you know, visually like that. So wow, okay. Do you think you need hypno to do that? How how yeah. No, no. I've definitely seen <laughs> folks do it uh with without hypno. So it's just, it's just like, you know, hypno hypno is great on everything. Uh people call it the hot sauce of kink. I think yeah. the the ketchup of kink, whatever. Whatever you like, whatever condiment you like, that's what hypno is. It makes everything better if you're into it, but um you don't need it. Well you do, but <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Other people don't. That's, that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to switch over to age play. That's something we mentioned briefly that we haven't yeah. talked too much um, about that. So I'm going to ask you the same question. What do you find interesting? I, th- I have a feeling I know the answer is going to be control. But what do you find interesting about age play? Um, yeah, for age play, it's something that I, uh, when Kate and I started dating, I knew that she was into, but I hadn't really ever played with and I thought I would not be into. Like, I didn't have any hints that it would be something that I'd be into and then can I I... ask before even you go on why did you think sure because I love I love hearing about that thing where we make assumptions about a kink and then we end up finding more about it and being Mm -hmm. like oh no I'm into this I love to hear the kind of that that thing that happened where you're like oh no 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 I wouldn't be into that and then well it was just like i you know it was just like she was like i i i want i'm feeling this like urge to call you daddy like you know is that something that you would be into and i didn't think that i would but in the same thing this like spirit of like exploration and trying things out and not being scared to like give it a shot i was like yeah like let's let's try it and see how it goes and then it felt incredible um so it that was a way into it and then it was like okay how much how how much can i push this how much can i enjoy other elements not just this one word like can we do a scene that's more literal over the phone can we do a scene that's more literal in person uh, of playing with these taboos and all of that stuff has just surprised me um over the years with how hot it's been and we uh it's not something that we don't we don't, don't do literal age play like every day or every week but the the DDLG thing is is always there. It's always a part of our dynamic. Um, and when we when we do dip into the more like literal, um, you know, uh, talking about the like age aspect of it, um, it's rare. It's rarer, but it's super hot when we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that you're if making that these sense. two kind of distinctions, right? Like. Yeah. Because again, yeah. this thing can look. A thousand different ways, like literally however you want it to look. 
yeah, someone can be in the mood for like being called daddy, like, and not want to not want to like talk about like all the age stuff every day. Like it's it's kind of heavy and it requires like more aftercare, more pre care, more all of that stuff um, than just like the word daddy. At least for me. Yeah, it's a whole it can, it's a whole different scene, and I mean, people use daddy yes. very you know casually, casually. nowadays. Yes. You know that has nothing yes. to do with age play literally at all, right? But right, even right. age players can yeah can do that thing also where like just calling me daddy is a whole different thing than actually doing an age play scene together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is daddy um, is that your honorific essentially as a dominant? It's one of them. So I have different honorifics that I like in different situations. Gender plays into it, of course. Right. Um, But daddy to me, like in my relationship with Kate, is probably the thing that I go by as a dominant the most. Um, We have other ones that we like. Similarly, like when, when she's my dominant, princess is the one that she goes by the most. But also like there's other royal honorifics that she likes. So... Um, your majesty your highness things like that um, those are those are more uh for spice and the, the core one is <laughs> not that one uh <laughs> the the core one is princess um but like sometimes we've been doing more religious role play recently and so like in those cases a goddess will will come out right like the, you know there can be a core honorific and then a bunch of little extra ones for fun um also when i'm dominant with my other partner uh i because uh, gender is a bigger part of our of our play, I usually go by uh, Miss. Just a simple Miss. Yeah, I've actually dropped Mistress from my professional. Oh, tell me about that. I'm interested. Now it's just Lady Pim. It's Lady Pim or nothing, baby. Because yeah, again, with trying to be intentional with all this stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, it's especially important for me to be intentional and do check-ins with myself with my professional kink because that's where I do the most kink. I think mistress just was a thing that I no longer, no longer associated with myself. And that might be a thing of like me developing, as you said, like I've kind of cornered the market on like my style of dominance or whatever. Like I kind of feel like I've developed into something very specific and very personal in my professional dominance, right? Where Mm. like this kind of, you know, I'll use the word generic, but I mean that very neutral in a very neutral way. Just this kind of, this honorific that made it easier for people, you know? Because Um, it's so common because it's, it's, what they're used to calling other yeah yeah. everybody you know mistress is probably the most common you know honorific for a female identifying dominant it's like so i think why i was like always lady pim or mistress is fine whatever is easier for you but i was like you know what (laughs) why am i trying to make it easy on them my whole thing is that i'm not making be easy on them yeah i'm not making my that's my whole thing of like why would i ask you to do something that's easy you know what i mean like where's the fun in that yeah no no exactly yeah similarly like uh i i early in my relationship with kate i would go by sir fairly often i don't really we i mean it's still technically uh in the list but i don't really go by that very often anymore um unless it's like you know, we're doing a role play where it's relevant or something. Um, I, I think that daddy is just the one that that's stuck and the one that fits the most um, in the same way. Like e- each relationship, I feel like each dynamic, each version has a th- has one that tends to stick for me and that becomes the default. And then there are other ones, like I mentioned, that, that come up every once in a while. Yeah. Someone called me commander uh, recently <laughs> and I kind of loved it. Oh, wow. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you just say, go with whatever, go with your gut? How, how did that come about? No, it's on social media, so it wasn't like an actual scene. Oh, okay, but I was okay. like, I okay. kind of like that. <laughs> don't, Commander, I don't hate Commander it. Pim. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think um, also the switch was inspired by Goddess Freya, who is um, one of my best friends. And like to call her mistress is like the worst thing you can do in a scene. Her honorific is goddess, like you know. Yeah, why so, would you call a goddess uh, a human term? That's a that's it's, inappropriate. It's so, <laughs> it's so incorrect. So, <laughs> and um, I think through talking about her experiences with 
why that's just a really fun built-in game to give them something very specific to call you and they can't call you anything else. Like right away, that's a game, you know? If they fuck up, well, that just gives you, again, me being the improviser that I am, that gives you so much material to work with. It's like, if they fuck up, it's like, okay, drop everything. The scene is looking different. Like, and you can kind of just follow the game. You know, you find the game in improv, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those. It's this built-in game that can affect the whole scene. And now the scene can just be that, you know? Yeah. And it proves it proves that someone's paying attention. You know, it gives you information about like, is this person is this person committed to me or are they just thinking about the idea of a, a Oh dominant, yeah. A the idea of mistress. Yeah. The concept of right, mistress. Right. <laughs> are they submitting to me? Are they serving me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. So I think honestly Freya was like it's very familiar to call her Freya, but she's my bestie. But um I think through... Uh... Listeners, you're not allowed to call for that. <laughs> no, you're not. It's, it's, it's got us to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, that's funny. I think that has influenced me quite a lot. And as much as I say I'm a low protocol dominant, I kind of do like to see people struggle with protocol now and again. Like, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Age play. More, more age play stuff I'd like to ask about. So I'm wondering, like, uh, if you can give me some specifics surrounding, like, how context might change um, what type of an age play scene you might want to do. Um, so uh, one of the context, one of the big context switches is, are we doing an age play scene where I'm the dominant or an age play scene where I'm the submissive? And you might think, oh, well, if you're the submissive, does that mean you're the little? No, it doesn't. Um, when I'm submitting uh in an age play scene with kate she's still the little and i'm still daddy but now i am a submissive daddy um so in that context the scene looks more like uh uh to use like her archetype that she goes to a lot um like veruca salt so it's maybe it's a findom scene where a spoiled little girl is um manipulating her daddy into buying her like cute bags or shoes or something like that um that's that's like a really uh, good go-to example i think that's brilliant um as somebody who loves being a little space dominant that gives me so much joy (laughs) yeah yeah it's really fun it's a really fun dynamic does i'm curious um we don't have kate here to ask her specifically but like I wonder if a little little dominant um it usually manifests as bratty I think, in my personal experience anyways, and and what I've heard. Do you have any experience where there's a little dominant that's not, doesn't, doesn't have this flavor of bratty? I think, I think sometimes it's precocious, but not bratty. Like a, like a good little girl that is smarter than you. Oh my God. Maybe (laughs) outsmarting you or like, you know, teaching you or, or, or something like that. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be bratty in the way of like, I'm going to disobey or something. It's more like you want to listen to me because I'm smarter and prettier and whatever. And younger. (laughs) Yeah. And younger. Youth is beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And now that I think of it, I'm like, my go-to is definitely bratty if I'm doing like a little dominant, but also we can go the other way, how you said she's smarter than you. Maybe she's also dumber than you, you know, and it's kind of a mm-hmm. bimbo little situation. Yeah, we do that too. We absolutely do that too. I, a bimboification um, specifically has been something that I've done a lot more in the, in the last few years since I've been on the show as well. Uh, also both as a top and a bottom um, playing with, especially with hypnosis, um, doing intelligence play. So temporarily, um, messing with intelligence uh in a scene you know it's it's a bit it's a bit more edge play and probably shouldn't be your first hypnosis scene is like mess with someone's intelligence (laughs) um but when it's like well you know when, when there's good boundaries around it when it's well negotiated it's super fun to like make someone dumb for an afternoon and just like fuck them silly you know for an afternoon hell hell yeah Okay, I do have one hypno question because so usually how I do um, the beginning of a scene, if I'm a dominant, you know, I'm going to do some like grounding activities, 
And I'm going to be layering them with like the intentionality of the scene. I'm going to be like lowering my voice and talking in a very steady kind of low tone. I'm going to be getting them to like um, do breathing, you know, um, I get them to visualize often, often Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people are like, I just want to get out of my head. You know, my brain is, you know, um, driving me up the wall so I might get them to like visualize it's kind of common actually visualize like melting like their brain is melting out their ears and dripping on the carpet and like I'm curious because I'm clearly not doing hypnosis and I know again next to nothing about it especially as a a top but like do you see parallels to like maybe when you would do an induction at the beginning of a hypno scene and what I do like because sometimes they look tranced out like they sometimes if they're really listening and really embodying like and really visualizing like I can get them to just be a puddle like you know depending on what they're yeah I I would quibble with the not doing hypnosis thing. I think it's it's likely that uh, in a lot of cases you are like that's just what I was wondering. Not, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just because you haven't studied it or you or you you know you're not doing a uh, by the book induction of some kind. Like those are all tools of of trance and hypnosis. So it's it's likely that you that you are doing it. Um, and if you wanted to like invest a little bit more into learning some of the some of the deeper like theory behind it and 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 stuff i think you could you could just make those things more impactful right okay yeah because like i also did a reiki scene um (laughs) recently where (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) yeah same um where you know did they heal my wrist no but did it feel lovely in a lot of ways and did i feel you know like so relaxed and warm and it felt emotional in kind of a lovely way also and like you know that they were centering all this attention on me it felt like really special and like so you know was it magic no but you know did it make me feel really great and I don't know so I'm kind of thinking of those you know the parallels between these things of like okay it didn't exactly do the thing but it had all these other kind of meditative qualities that were really valuable to me in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Like there's so much crossover between all of these things. And it's, it's because we're coming at it from different perspectives of putting like different words on it, right? Like flow state, subspace, hypnosis, meditation, they're all, they're all touching on each other and, and they're not separate phenomena. They're related altered states that sometimes overlap so much as to be the same thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is something that I'm like, kind of, the more kind of hypno people I talk to also, I'm like, I'm just seeing parallels like that, where, yeah, again, maybe we're just using different words, you know? Yeah, exactly. Really cool. Okay. Um, MB, we are just about at the end of the hour. I want to give you a chance to tell us your Twitter account again, and then anything else um, where you want people to kind of find and follow you related to any of the topics we talked about today. Absolutely. Um, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at super sleepy NB, um, E-N-B-Y on the end. Uh, and other than that, I would recommend like if you're interested in this podcast uh, and want to learn more about any of the kinks that I mentioned, they are all covered in my wife's wonderful book. So buy that. Absolutely. It's 101 Kinky Things, Even You Can Do. You can get it at 101kinkythings.com. And uh, I read every single chapter of that book as it was being written. We used a protocol um, to encourage her to write it and stay on deadline. And so I, I feel like a little part of me is in is in every page of that book A as big well. part of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So good. And if you want to hear more about Kate, Kate Sloan has also been on uh, multiple episodes of The Pod All, so you can go back. And we specifically talked about her book um, in the most recent one also. And um, yeah, for me, folks, if you don't know where to follow me, me by now, I don't know what to do with you. But I'm at the Lady Pim one on Twitter. That's where I'm the most active. Um, I'm on TikTok for some reason at the Lady Pim. Um, Instagram at the Lady Pim as well. Also the Bedpost podcast. Um, and then the other big thing is the Bedpost Patreon, folks. I do awesome 
audio erotica. We talked about improv a lot. I improvise all of those. Um, and there's like, you know, the usual pics and vids, also solo episodes where I talk about all sorts of kinky shit that I do both personally and professionally. Come for the pics, stay for the juicy personal updates. Highly recommend. No, seriously, thing. that's so it. I'm like, sometimes they get a bit emotional and like, yeah, it's like a, a virtual diary. So if you really want to know me, fucking subscribe to the Patreon, really. Um, and then the very last thing is I always like to thank the lovely lady who does all the original music for the podcast. Her name is Stephanie Copeland. You can reach her at stephcopelandmusic.com. MB, this has been such a fucking treat. Let's not wait so long next time to talk. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron. This was a great conversation. I appreciate it. So good. I loved it so much. And I hope everybody else listening loved it too. We will see you next week with another fun and sexy guest here on the BitPost podcast talking about sex and sexuality. Until then, get fucked, everybody. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 